Hi, welcome to Last Believer, a podcast about good riddance. Each week, myself, Josh Lindley, and my co-host, Dan Forcier, talk about three songs by Santa Cruz punk band Good Riddance. This week, we're talking about Trophy, we're talking about My War, and we are talking about Teachable Moments. Dan, if people want to reach out to us, how do they do that? Yo, what's up, everybody? Um, same as always, you know, just jump on the old Instagram machine, find us at Last Believer Pod and slide into those DMs. Uh, or if you want to send us an email, um, maybe send us your coolest good riddance cover, you know, that's you want to attach that in an email at lastbelieverpod at gmail.com. Um, and as well, you know, you can always reach us via the Patreon um patreon.com slash last believer pod uh got a lot of cool little exclusives in the works you know already we have uh exclusives about uh josh and i's band tattoos because we're nice and uh narcissistic like that i suppose and then uh yeah the heresy hypocrisy revenge as well um little little uh three mini interviews just talking about uh a lot of people's favorite song it's funny how that works out. Uh, yeah. We also have a playlist on the go. We had been building it on Spotify all along, and uh, we've doubled Dan's work as far as building out the playlist now <laughs> because Dan spent more than 12 hours the other day building the playlist on Apple Music. So if you are an Apple Musicer or a Spotifyer, we got you covered. Uh, just look for the Last Believer podcast playlist on either of those platforms, and it'll give you some background as to what it is we're talking about. Also, we update the songs before we update the episodes. So it's like, think of it like like a teaser, like a trailer for what you can look forward to. Yeah, well, so it, it didn't take me more than 12 hours to make it. There is over 13 and a half hours of music on the playlist. But, uh, it, was, but it was a good uh, two, uh, two and a half to three hours just after work on Wednesday you know, end of the month. So I can't work too late in my finance industry. So I was like, all right, cool. I might as well start uh, building this. And I was like, holy shit, this is a, a feat. But it was it was kind of fun though, revisiting all the songs. Like I even posted in our stories, you know, cause I got to the episode we do with Crystal where we start talking about key changes in songs. And mm -hmm. I was like, oh yeah, this, that was fun. I had lots of memories and revisiting songs and it's a good time. Episodes, episodes pass. Uh, anything you want to talk about <laughs> so, before we jump into the songs? You know, the other, there's not really too too much going on it's kind of a quick turnaround in, in what we're recording but uh you know i feel in a good mood i'm off of work and uh july 1st happened recently and i know previously we talked about how the the lives of indigenous people uh, do matter and that every child matters and the um residential school system and how fucked it is so yeah just a little quick reiteration that uh canada do better actually not even just canada i'm sure you know, indigenous relations south of the border of us are not ideal either. But uh, yeah, we definitely have to do better and be accountable and um, just love everyone, man. Let's just all be happy. Let's just do some yeah. cool shit. I think it's a little, I think it's important that we keep talking about it. Obviously in Canada, there was a big campaign for, you know, it's a hashtag thing, which, you know, however valid you think those are. Um, but it was Cancel Canada Day. And I think uh, it's important that as more mass graves at residential quote unquote schools are found, it's important that we keep talking about it and that Canada Day doesn't distract from what the actual story is here. And it's just not about some fucking stupid date in a calendar, but it's about sure. atrocities that have been committed. And so please keep paying attention to all of that. Uh, on that note, three mm -hmm. songs, mm -hmm. heavy ones this week. 
the first song we're going to talk about is Trophy. It's the fourth song in on a comprehensive guide to modern rebellion. It is Sean and Luke and Russ and Chuck. Dan, did you know this one going into it? I I must have. Like, it, I definitely had heard it in the past. Um, you know, the aforementioned Tony before must have played it on uh, Punk World Order or the Quello show. Uh, and uh, yeah, that's so I, I must have heard it, but it's not something that really necessarily stuck with me over the years. Not like last week's uh, heresy episode, but um, this one really gives me the vibes of kind of what we talked about uh, last episode with the government issue cover. Uh, just in the fact that it's like a very just straightforward to the point. You got your easy repeating sing along with your like, you ought to know I'm not for show, uh, which I thought was really dope. And uh, what did I say dope? Well, but, uh, it was really cool and re- relatable for pretty much anyone. But, you know, a quick tangent. You ought to know. Alanis Morissette, you know, Ottawa Pride right there. That's a jam. That's a banger. Didn't uh, Flea and uh, Chad from the Red Hot Chili Peppers play on that whole record? Ooh, that sounds right, but I don't know. And that or is was a it Josh Freeze? It might have been Josh Freeze, actually. It could have been Josh Freeze and Flea. Yeah, maybe something like that. Well, I definitely want to look uh, into that now because that's that's kind of cool. <laughs> and from Ottawa too. And there's, I'll, I can tell you a story off pod that. In any event, well, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so never, never did like I look at the lyrics of this one until now. You know had. I heard that little quick uh, banger before until we started doing this project. And I, that's like pretty across the board with a lot of the songs, um, you know, like deep diving. Cause a lot of stuff was kind of like either hearing and passing or on comms where you don't really get a lyric sheet. But uh, this one like also really hits deep too, like for what the, mm-hmm. the message is and like not to turn this into uh, D forces parental therapy or anything, but I always felt like I was a disappointment to my family and like never living up to like their expectations um you know and i've been assured that that's not the case but you know growing up as the black sheep of the family with my anxieties and insecurities and whatnot that's just kind of how i went and uh yeah i mean like granted you know we're recording this super close to my 38th birthday and uh my parents had me at 23 years old so my whole issues of comparing kind of like where my life is to where to their timeline which like never fucking do that like that really yeah like don't ever measure your current life achievements and goals based on someone else's timeline because speaking from experience it'll just really fuck you up and uh yeah it's just gonna you're just gonna be really hard on yourself and be down and just live your life and live your truth and no one in my family is into like punk rock or politics or tattoos or piercings or whatever um so in a more conservative time it was kind of a thing but like it's not an issue now and just let life run its course be progressive Mm -hmm. and live your life live your truth and don't worry about disappointing someone and just be happy oh so posy right, right? Yeah. see i'm on vacation now so i'm super positive in all of all my notes uh yeah so like at this point in time as a 40 year old white north american man uh that has very little debt uh, and living in a body that mostly still works uh i don't want anything i'm about to say to come off to listeners as me having like a poor me rant. Uh, I know that my story isn't unique, but uh, when you're living through it as a teen that can't balance emotions with reason, it certainly feels lonely. And my parents split up when I was three and I have a brother that's three years younger than me. Uh, my parents were like 25 when they split up. And uh, I, I've tried to keep that in mind whenever I 
talk about my relationship with my dad. Uh, I think it's important to try and see things always from different perspectives. But sounds from like the time of, I was, sounds like both of our parents were pretty young when they had us, like 22. Yeah, right? for sure. 22. And and like that wasn't that strange in a small town in no, Canada absolutely not. in 1980 to 86 or whatever. 100%, you know? yes. Yeah. But like since I was 11, I've been a real weirdo. And the more I tried to do normal stuff, and this even happens today, but the more obvious it becomes that I'm never going to fit into whatever my parents had hoped for or what I hoped for. And, you know, from being told that my stupid haircuts or being asked why I wasn't on the basketball team at school, my parents and my dad especially just didn't get me, which is such a dorky thing to say. But again, uh, you know, I hated the court ordered weekends that I had to spend with my dad uh, for the first, you know, 18 years. So hearing the song trophy really did it for me when I was a teen, you know, again, like I said, I felt like I was the only person in my situation. So hearing this guy that was 10 or 12 years older than me go off about how he also knew that what he was doing and who he knew he was, was not what his parents sort of had in mind or had hoped. And man, punk is the best for moments like that. 100%. Yeah. Uh, the feelings that Russ expresses through the lyrics and the music, which I'll get to in a minute, are like everything else he says, totally genuine. Russ comes from a family of lawyers, some of whom were like, you know, they, they worked with like governors and some of them worked in the White House and stuff. So he comes from like a long lineage of oh, traditionally successful men, you know? Um, so to me at 15, you know, Russ was kicking ass at life. He had full out, full on like records on CDs with real artwork and he got to go to Europe and play in front of like hundreds and or thousands of people, but still felt that his dad saw him as a disappointment, which I identified with, even though, you know, my dad was a plumber and I was some idiot with a really badly done set of Liberty spikes in my hair. <laughs> the feeling like the feeling of disconnection from your parents is like you were saying, universal uh even if it's not long lasting and so now the music for trophy is awesome and i know mm -hmm. that uh i know that you don't listen to albums in order when you're prepping for the show but we've now done four of the first five songs on a comprehensive guide to modern rebellion and each mm -hmm. of those five songs really represents a different thing that good riddance does and trophy is their 32nd hardcore song it's the best um i've always been big on 30 second long blasts um the feedback uh, into the drum roll. And then once the song comes in, there's no break. Like this is a boot stomping on a human face. Uh, it sounds like, <laughs> it sounds like Luke and Chuck are pounding on their instruments rather than strumming them. Sean's drumming is so furious here and there's accents on all of Russ's rhymes and the short, but like you were mentioning tough chant at the end, you ought to know yeah. I'm not for show really, really hits uh, the amount of stuff. Yeah, the amount of stuff I've done or accomplished, even as a 15 year old uh, that my dad had nothing to do with, uh, but would then brag to friends about made me fucking furious. And so, you know, these 30 seconds of trophy really, really got me. I, I just kind of want to echo that about hearing, you know, you hear about Russ's experience and you feel like you might be the only one feeling that. And obviously in a pre-internet world, you're like, oh, there's somebody else out there going through this yeah. same shit. And not not that it was necessarily with this song, but I obviously had the same things. And then you find punk and, you know, 
punks are, are made, not born. Is that what, is that, is that the line you used that one time? It's yeah. just, yeah. 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 That sounds yeah. like something it's, it's just like, yeah, it's, you know, and even being like kind of shy and growing up, you, I never really realized that it was, I don't know, everyone's fan. Everyone has a, a family dynamic that behind closed doors, you don't know what's going on, but mm-hmm. similar to the, uh, um not not that i was always trying to like get their approval or whatever but yeah my dad didn't get what i was doing whether i was working for a street team or booking shows and he's like well where's the money and i was like well it's not about the money you know or whatever mm-hmm. but you know finally the, the it's weird because like he, he's a, a big sports guy as well and uh i always just like kind of quit sports and whatnot but uh i will say he was very proud when i started telling him that i was like an axe throwing champion to the point where when um, uh, the place where I worked at to throw axes, uh, when they were shutting down for the pandemic, I messaged my GM and I was like, hey, I'm just going to take one of the, the center boards for the target. Is that cool? And he's like, yeah, sure. I don't care. So I just took it home, mounted uh, the axe that I won my first championship with and kind of gave it to him as as a gift. And he was so happy and he like put it in his in like the bar he's building in his basement, you know, for his retirement. And I was like, yeah. And I was like, wait, you had nothing to do. Like kind of what you're just saying. You're like, wait, you're going to show off that by accomplishing. Yeah, anyways. But yeah, so yeah. I relate 100% with what you're saying. Not, yeah. not so much with the Liberty Spikes, but I had a really bad Mohawk. So there's that. Yeah, sure. Yeah. You know, it's, it's <laughs> yeah. same sort of idea. Um, yeah. Yeah. Like at one point in time, trophy meant as much to me as waste did like this song was always like big for me yeah yeah um yeah and uh you know i haven't talked to my dad in 17 years so uh (laughs) sometimes it works out and you can present him with trophies of uh Mm -hmm. axe throwing championships and sometimes it doesn't and you just keep living life All right, Dan, this is a big one. We're going to talk about My War, which was a bonus track on Operation Phoenix. It played uh, at seven minutes and 37 seconds into the last track. I remember it. I have it memorized. Um, This is Russ, Luke, Chuck, and Bill Stevenson playing drums on this uh, because this was the first record that they recorded with Bill Stevenson. I would love to know how this conversation happened, that this is how it came together or like if Sean tried to play it or there's got to be a story there anyway that's fucking cool sorry go on no you didn't you didn't know that going into this no and yeah you'll hear later on in my notes like now you're gonna be like oh okay anyway sorry well go go for it hit it First and foremost, uh, I hate 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 that on digital streaming services the track is just called war Oh, yeah. There's a lot of mistakes in the Goodreads yeah. catalog as to song titles being mistitled or typed incorrectly or, you know, someone left autocorrect to finish it or something. Yeah. Because, I mean, like, yeah, just called war. Like, what the fuck is that good for? Absolutely nothing. Oh, wow. <laughs> it's, sorry, it's I thought you said you I thought you said you didn't want to be a dad. I got the dad jokes on lock though. <laughs> I can't help it. As soon as I hit like 35, they just, yeah, I got, yeah, anyways. So you and I chatted about, uh, about this a little bit off pod uh, last week when we drew the song. Uh, once again, 
and like another phenomenal cover by good riddance production sounds pretty modern but doesn't take anything away from like the original kind of um raw feel from the song and like russ coming through with like some real earnest and powerful vocals on this one like you can really feel like it's a cathartic release of him like belting this out Mm -hmm. and like not to speak of his experience you know because i don't know but as the story goes, you know, we, a lot of people probably know that um, Henry Rollins, being a huge Flag fan, got to try out for his favorite band when they were on tour and crushed it. And I listened to this in comparison to like Russ's other vocal performances. And I'm just picturing him like, OK, this is my time to try out for my favorite band kind of fantasy. And I yeah. love it. And then you just told me that Bill was playing drums on it. And I was like, fuck, like, like, yeah, sure. You know, because Bill, Bill, for those who don't know, was also in Black Flag. And, uh, you know, you and I have talked a lot about Black Flag and rightfully so, you know, they were very critical and influential to the punk that we know and love today. Like everything from, you know, sound, work ethic, touring, even though DOA first kind of, but I digress. But uh, yeah, so over these last like 26 or 27 episodes, so I don't really know where to dive in, in terms of talking about Black Flag, because we've already said so much. Uh, in terms of like history so i don't think there's much that we really need to go through like that's not maybe already common knowledge but i'm also a nerd so it might not be common knowledge to some of our listeners so with that i got two questions for you before we wrap it up uh or before i wrap up you know just kind of my base things and this is where the bill stevenson little tidbit you said is kind of interesting i was like did you do you find that that little breakdown which is the bass and the drums and it really sounds like all era descendants the record and not the band all uh and yeah that totally makes sense now knowing that <laughs> bill was was not only producing it but playing on it um mm-hmm. and then other than that it's what kind of black flag history are you ready to drop on us today my friend uh well i kind of I, I went a little more ethereal rather than facts because i feel like there's a lot of facts about black flag that everyone can find out pretty easily 100 like minutes. dozens of books films, you know, all kinds of different things. So like, I think this is something that I think about a lot Uh, in the world of punk and like music in general, it is extremely rare that the best at something is also the same as the most important at something. And I think Black Flag is probably the one. I'm not gonna argue that. Like, the first before okay i'm not gonna i gotta stick to my notes otherwise it's gonna go on forever but like from the sense to record and produce and press your own records literally laying out a blueprint for independent music um figuring out how to tour without relying on booking agents or promoters or record labels because black flag made themselves into all of those things. And like we said, you know, DOA was, you know, maybe the first one to go south and give the dudes in black flag some phone numbers or whatever, but the extent to which black flag went touring without any support at all is fucking nuts. Absolutely. Uh, Yes. There's no argument there. Absolutely. Yeah. And then aesthetically, other than the Ramones, like, is there a punk band more recognizable than than black flag when you say black flag you picture the bars you picture the font you know exactly what it is um having raven pettibone as an artist slash art advisor is just so ahead but it's also sort of the same thing that arturo did with the ramones too yeah um 
well, and, and Chris, all of that, and Chris, Chris Sherry with the Descendants too. Same thing. They same. Yeah. Are, yeah. Exactly. And like having that established, like obviously, I can't say whether it's a fifth member situation, but it's definitely part of what the entire band Brands. is. And like, yeah. yeah, for yeah, you don't want to say brand for punk, but like, yeah, it's what's recognizable. It just just an impactful like. I don't know. I know when Fucked Up was starting, they were big on sigils as well. Like uh-huh. magic magic symbols that you can leave all over the place and draw energy from as you observe them. Anyway, uh, <laughs> fucked up. Best art project ever. Anyway, uh, all of the cool, all that cool shit that I was just talking about with Black Flag was before Henry Rollins even joined the band. Mm-hmm. And while there are enough detractors of Henry Rollins out there, whatever, dude, that guy was and is one of the most legitimate, genuine, and engaging front people ever to step on stage. And to think that he might not even be the best front man in Black Flag speaks to the caliber that Black Flag works at. Yeah, yeah. You know, like everyone knows Henry Rollins, the greatest front person. But if you ask Henry Rollins, he would tell you Des Cadena is a better front person than him. Uh, That kind of thing. Uh, As far as the song My War is concerned, it took forever for this album to come out. And this is stuff that you can find in all the documentaries and books and stuff. But uh, the album is great, but it was jarring to Black Flag fans, everyone that was so used to Gimme, Gimme, Gimme or Nervous Mm -hmm. Breakdown. And then to have this murky, crushing, immense wave of doom and feedback, you know, like Damaged One was an outlier on the album Damaged, but it was maybe just an indicator of which way the band was going. And then you combine that with that sort of heaviness with Chuck Dukowski's lyrics about paranoia and then Henry Rollins's performance where he sounds like he's being tortured while performing it. The song My War is just like unbelievable. And when I talk about the best and most important, this song stretches into genres that no one would immediately associate with Black Flag or punk or hardcore or anything. You know, there's like, jazz influences in this song that no one would think of uh and the good riddance version of my war also fucking rules i mean it's not as good as the original but can you imagine trying to play this fucking song and like everyone has covered black flag songs but it's always you know gimme 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 or rise above breakdown or rise above trying to cover my war is such a like gutsy and respectable move especially for a band playing at the level that good riddance was in 1999 it's so bold and they crushed it it's one thing like i was saying to cover a blistering fast government issue song and it's another thing entirely to go with like a piece of art like my war and i think yeah. yeah and i think what what you were saying too what really does it is russ's vocal delivery it's not as you know raw and unhinged as rollins but it comes pretty close at different times also, to be totally fair, I don't think Russ was under the same physical and mental duress that Rollins was in 1983 <laughs> when they would have recorded this, you know, True. sleeping in the back of a U-Haul truck when it's minus 20 degrees outside. And then when you get quote unquote home, you're sleeping in a shed with a bunch of bugs and rats running around. And then you're playing 320 shows a year. Yeah. Your best friend and your best friend from the band leaves like right before slash as you start recording this album. So yeah, if you're going to cover the best or most important hardcore band ever, you really have to bring it. And I really think Good Riddance did. Oh, I totally agree. I, yeah, I totally agree. This, this, this is, you know, not not that we're going to deep dive into it because it would be a painful endeavor. But My War, easily top five, if not top three Black Flag songs. 
for me. Yeah, it's this song is such a yeah, it's it's a it's a jolting like it's more like Black Sabbath than it is like the mm. Sex Pistols. Mm. Um, in, in like just sheer power of it. Yeah. No, I yeah, I agree with that. Um I in high school read uh Get in the Van, which is where I learned a lot about my Black Flag stuff even though it's kind of a bias um story on it. Uh, yeah. that's how I started. But you were, you were mentioning uh, documentaries and stuff earlier. Do you have like a documentary that you would recommend if someone is not super familiar? Cause oh. I would love, I would love to see a video documentary versus just reading stuff. So I'm kind of asking for myself selfishly as well. Well, I mean the, the, like obviously the American hardcore book got made into a documentary that, Oh, that's right. Uh, yes. That I thought had a lot of really cool shit in it. Uh, I thought that it was cool because it's so easy in every punk documentary, Ian McKay and Henry Rollins get interviewed, of course. which is cool because they've both done a bunch of awesome and amazing stuff. But what was cool about American hardcore is that they really dug deep into like, this guy wasn't even in a band. He was just around, you know, mm-hmm. um, the, de- the decline of Western civilization gives you a real insight as to how scrappy black flag was. Right. Uh, like right from the start, they like the, the footage from, the church that black flag lived in it mm-hmm. really it paints as bleak a picture as any of the uh as any of the uh like tones in the songs or in the lyrics it's like they are the realist I, i've never seen video footage of it so i probably am going to uh since it's i'm on vacation now uh yeah i'm gonna probably cue that up and lay on my couch with uh, Philadelphia Entertainment Cheesesteak and uh, crush some punk docs. Oh man, God, I'm you, so excited. <laughs> I'm so gonna, excited. It's going to be really funny, you uh, you being on vacation. I feel like we're going to end up recording four different episodes in the next week. Uh, because I'm going to not know what to do with myself. I'm just going to re- record like a, a audio diary, like exclusives, like July yeah. 6th. <laughs> I'm still not working. All right, the third song we're going to talk about this week is Teachable Moments, which is the eighth song in on Peace in Our Time from 2015. This is Russ, Luke, Sean, and Chuck. What did you think of Teachable Moments? Well, we took a real left turn with this bad boy. But musically, like, I love this kind of pop punk. Um, and I think I really do need to listen to Piece of Our Time like a little bit more thoroughly. I think last time we had a song from this record too, I was like, I think I need to listen to this front to back, uh, this and My Republic. Um, it's 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 cool though. Like it's my kind of pop punk because it sounds kind of fat records-ish, but also not. Mm-hmm. And then I get some really late Lagwagon vibes without them sounding anything like Lagwagon, but just kind of song structure-wise, which is maybe the, the fat sound I'm getting. Um, yeah. yeah, no, it's it's it was a very just interesting turn considering we just did like the um, blistering trophy in my war back to back, but. Um, and we have another quick one, you know. I think I think in total, um, our songs are less than five minutes today for these three songs. Um, but and yeah, much like our pal trophy earlier, super relatable message as well, you know, and telling anyone telling you who you can and cannot love is is wrong, like point blank. There's no sugarcoating that, there's no metaphors or similes, it's just straight up like yeah. 
you know, lo love is love and no one can tell you otherwise. Um, you know, the, the, the really cool line I liked was uh, life's too short to waste time on them and life's too short to just condemn. Um, and these are like words to live by, not even just for like the equality of love, but just in general, like just don't, don't, don't listen to the haters, man. Like, just like, don't, don't let hate kind of prevail. And I don't know, it's, it's a going from like trophy to my war. And this is kind of a really good one with a positive message to kind of wrap up the songs this week. Um, you know, coming on the tail end of Pride Month as well, you know, love is all the same. It's, it's good. It's nice and positive and no one has the right to legislate your body or legislate your life or your body. Um, they're wrong. Like a plus goodie boys, a plus. <laughs> so we're calling good riddance goodie boys. Now vacation Dan is kind of hilarious. Oh man. It's yeah. Going, working from like 12 to 15 hours a day to being like, I got nothing on the go. Like I'm chill right now. Yeah. No kidding. <laughs> it's no secret that Operation Phoenix is my favorite Good Riddance album, mm -hmm. which is an easy thing to say because nostalgia is a hell of a drug. But maybe Peace in Our Time is actually the best. Uh, every song is a distillation of everything that Good Riddance does well, and Teachable Moments is no exception. In this song, which I guess you could call a gay rights song, uh, the band has very catchy, super approachable, you know, sounds like skateboarding jam. That, mm. they, that they put this message of embracing all kinds of love into. And as much as we like to think that punk rock is a safe place for people of all sexual orientations, all you have to do is read the comments on any post next to a pride flag made by any punk band or label, yeah. and you can see how not safe of a place it can really be. Which yeah. reminds me, uh, there was a piece, uh, an article that came out last month titled, Why That Fat Wreck Rainbow Shirt Is Still Bothering Me. Yes, by, by someone named Candace Hansen. Uh, mm -hmm. So maybe we'll put a link to that in the show notes. Yeah, you you had yeah. posted that in the um, the Lost Believer story when it came out because I think yeah. it was uh, from um, is it Lauren from Warriors. Someone Warriors. from Warriors put it up. Yeah. Yes, uh, I'm blanking on her on her first name. I apologize. But yeah, that that band is also great. Everyone should check that band out. Um, yeah. But I saw that post and I was like, okay, this could be an interesting read. And it really was like a good introspective read, like not talking shit on fat, but kind of mm -hmm. what you're saying about how the punk scene, you know, on in theory is this super inclusive place. However, anyways, we won't spoil it. We'll let yeah. So, so yeah, the, the author of the article, Candace, she's a punk, she's a drummer and she's queer. And rather than explaining her article, I'll just, you know, put it in the show notes. Mm -hmm. The gist is that certain areas of punk are not safe spaces and to sell something that would advertise otherwise seems kind of crude or crass or capitalistic. Anyway, you should read that article, which is why I am so thankful that of all of the punk bands that came out of California in the nineties, we are doing a podcast about good riddance who has songs like teachable moments about rising above hate and judgment. Uh, Cause let's be honest, a lot of, a lot of those dudes on a lot of those tours and a lot of those labels maybe didn't get it. And this isn't to mm -hmm. say that they were straight up like hateful pieces of shit so much as just didn't get it. Anyway, really, that's what this song is about. It's not far reaching, sweeping, you know, talking about like unfair laws or, or specific hate crimes, but it is about embracing who you are and knowing that almost no one cares who you want to fuck. Uh, and that, and yeah. that no matter what, you have people on your team. And that's really what a safe space is, right? Uh, more than anything, I hope that people who maybe feel otherwise unsafe would get to hear this song and feel empowered or seen and loved. 
So yeah, super catchy, super positive song on a super good record. Teachable Moments rocks. The speed is perfect. The line and the harmony on Love is All the Same is mm -hmm. reason enough to love the song. And the clever capital S songwriting move of starting the song and ending the song by saying, you're wrong and they're wrong. I, mm -hmm. I thought it was, you know, it's, it's like I picture the song being like a debate in front of a crowd and you're wrong is the thesis that they need to like wrap their point into. Yeah, it's, it's a very like fun yet powerful song, an important song. And I you know it's kind of in terms of a safe space and doing this band. I, I really hope that anyone who listens knows that, you know, we try and keep this as a safe space. And uh, that's why we're very open with comments and criticism. And I always want to be accountable. So always uh, let me know if I say something that might be a little weird because I'm old. Dan, yeah. did you get any listener questions this week? Oh, I got a treat instead. Okay. In lieu of a question, just because I'm in a good mood, we're going to play a fun little game. And by popular demand, bringing back a quiz. A quiz oh, we have you. a quiz. It's, it's a fun one, though. It's a fun, light one. Um, I just sent it via email because I have it on my other laptop versus a Zoom laptop. That's See, that sounds like privilege right there. Oh, working on my other. Anyways. Um, basically, just because we were kind of talking about it off pod after recording last week, our last episode, uh, which Simpsons family member are you? Can we can we start by saying who we hope we are? Yeah, let's do that. Like, and and do we know the scope of the characters that they're going to involve in this? I think it's just main family from just the title it, of it, but it's I don't just know. okay, okay. Uh, yeah, which Simpsons family member are you? Yeah, okay, that makes sense. Because for a second, I was like, well, I'm probably handsome Pete. <laughs> and modest as well. <laughs> okay, do you so want to start or am I well, starting? Who, do you, who, do you, who are you hoping that you're I'm getting? hoping on Lisa Simpson. Lisa Simpson is the best Simpson. For sure, Lisa is the best Simpson. Yeah, you and I are kind of on the same page as that. Um, but also knowing me, I'm scared I'm going to end up being Homer. <laughs> 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 okay, question number one. What's been your greatest achievement in life? Handling challenges, securing awards, maintaining a happy family, the pursuit of knowledge, following your bliss. I'm going to go with the pursuit of knowledge. Yeah, like at a glance, that's kind of what I was thinking as well. And as much as I try and soak up as much information and pride myself on knowing way too much useless shit, following my bliss is probably more accurate as to what I've been, been doing. That's your greatest achievement. Dan? Yeah, man, living living my truth, you know, being happy. What describes you best? The ultimate realist, ready to try anything once, an inspiration to others, a natural leader, a huge sense of duty. <laughs> um, ideally, in my heart of hearts, I would like to think that I'm an inspiration to others, but <laughs> ready to try anything once. My One of my philosophies is I'll try anything at least twice because the first time you try something, you know, it could just be an off thing. So if you don't like it, at least try it again. If it goes bad twice and whatever. So ready to try anything once. These are all much deeper questions than I expected. Same. I thought it was going to be a light and fun one. Yeah. Like what day is it? I feel like I could answer any of these. I think I'll also go with ready to try anything once. All right. So what is your greatest fear? 
a fear of time, a fear of failure, fear of being judged, fear of who you really are, fear of loss. I mean, if we're going to go real deep, fear of who you really are, fear of who I really am. One day I just, I'm worried that I'm going to find out and it's going to ruin everything. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> this being a lot deeper than I thought it was going to be uh, fear of being judged for me. I, I find kind of find a fear, fear of failure and fear of being judged are kind of, uh, they kind of coexist, but fear of being judged. Like I wanted to do band stuff or podcast stuff for years and years and years, but I didn't want to do the, you know, just fear of being judged would just, you know, but then I finally pulled the trigger and we're getting positive stuff and I feel good. So fear of being judged is, is literally it though. It's why I don't do a lot of the things I do. That's a, that's a totally reasonable fear. We're taught to fear what people might think of us, you know? When we uh, shouldn't, like after everything we just said in this episode, we yeah. shouldn't, but it's, the reality is it, it's a thing. Yeah. Dan, mm -hmm. what's your hobby? Is it blogging? Is it traveling? Is it sports? Is it music? Or is it reading? I think this one kind of goes without saying. Um, I, it's, it has to be music. I, I love sports in terms of like following them. Uh, my body doesn't really play them much anymore i used to but music is you know as we're doing a fucking good riddance podcast obviously is what i encapsulate my life with i also think it's funny that you can tell that this quiz is a little dated because they're saying blogging instead of podcasting <laughs> sure yeah that's a good point um yeah music is the thing i spend most of my time looking into but i don't actually play anything so is that a hobby i do travel or i did before the pandemic well i don't play music either but you know, both of us, I mean, even when we're not doing the podcast, if we're texting, it's about something music related or even when we're it's chatting. About, it's about the new Soul Glow 7-inch or the new Turnstile EP or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Oh, God, that new Turnstile is so fun. Anyways, that's, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, I go in music for this one, too. I think, yeah, that makes sense. Just in terms of even like, you know, kind of couples with the pursuit of knowledge as well, because like myself, you like to learn all this cool stuff about stuff, right? So lastly... What is your biggest regret? Man, this quiz, I should have read the questions before going. It's a little deeper than darker than I thought. Okay, uh, biggest regret, working too much. Come on, man. Working too much, uh, not spending enough time with your family, taking life too seriously, worrying too much. Wait, did I already say that? No, working too much and worrying too much or not following your passion. This is this is deep, I think. What do you think? I don't even know, man. I know. Uh, I... I yeah, go I'll ahead. go with not following my passion, I guess. Although, okay. like, I mean, but part of that is just my own fault for not being disciplined enough to do anything. Okay. All right. Um, I will say for me, taking life too seriously will not be the one. Uh, I do actually live by the uh, pseudo mantra of don't take life too seriously. You're not going to make it out alive anyways. <sighs> Considering everything I've said today and over the last like 27 weeks, obviously working too much has to be the one I pick, right? right? Yeah. Yeah. Sounds Even like. though by working too much, I'm not spending enough time with my family. I am taking life too seriously, not following my passion and end up worrying too much for the shit that I don't do. But working too much is probably the most appropriate one. All right. Who did you get? I got Lisa Simpson. God damn it. It worked. Uh, brilliant and inquisitive. You're wise beyond your years. The world can be a cruel place, but you're always searching for ways to make it better. You have a special talent for problem solving. 
I mean, I, I solve accurate. problems, but I create most of them. <laughs> most of the problems I'm solving are ones I created. Yeah. Uh, I got uh, Bart Simpson. Oh, okay. Uh, like Bart, um, like Bart, your most popular traits are mischievousness, rebelliousness, and disrespect for authority. Sure. You are the misunderstood, if not potentially a little dangerous eldest child. That is accurate. <laughs> that, is, that, that part is actually pretty accurate. Um, and funny enough, too, there was like a few months ago where I was just looking at my personal Instagram stories and like Nancy Cartwright, for whatever reason, was like looking at my stories. And I was like, whoa, this is the coolest thing ever. That was probably actually probably a year ago at this point, though. But yeah, Bart Simpson, Lisa Simpson. I'm glad you got Lisa. I figured we were, one of us was going to, especially when we pick music as the passion. And now to pick songs. Yes, I got to go get from the hot diggity bag. Unofficial sponsor with this bag. We're giving a little shout out. Yeah, at, at hot right. diggity apparel. It's good times. They have a really cool shirt designed by a tattoo artist says all dogs are beautiful on it. And it's a dog with a hot dog in his mouth. It's perfect. All right. <laughs> I, I shook that bag. I shook the bag and right away I saw his head pop up again. All right. The first one, the first pick here we have. Ooh. We're going to go back to the Loaded for Bear tape. And the song is Why'd She Have to Go? I wonder how that's going to go over. I have no idea. <laughs> uh, what's song number two? All right. Song number two. We're going another early, early uh, song from Forgotten Country. We're going to go Lisa. Appropriate that you picked Lisa Simpson. Pod magic, baby. Pod magic. All right, let's see here. I'm going deep, deep in the deep in the paper bag. Off of a comprehensive guide, we are gonna do "Sky Is Falling." Oh, okay. We're gonna, we're Get, all early here. We're going we're going deep into the catalog for next week. Sick. And of course, if you're unfamiliar with any of these songs, I mean, obviously the uh, "Loaded for Bear" tape. The only access I have to it is on YouTube. Same. Uh, I don't I don't know if there's other ways, but other than that, you can hear the songs Lisa and Sky is Falling on the playlist, as well as a bunch of stuff that we talked about this week already. Uh, Dan, if anyone wants to lean in and let us know if they have any stories about when they first got the loaded for bear tape or if they know the person named Lisa that the song is about, how do they do that? or if they took the quiz and are also Lisa Simpson, um, they can shoot us an email at lastbeliever_pod at gmail.com. Um, or you can uh, find us on Instagram as well. We're pretty quick to, uh, to respond on that one um, at last believer pod, you know, poor Josh from the family cast was dealing with me being a little into the cups the other day, just texting him back and forth about San Diego burritos. Um, yeah, those Important are the best stuff. ways to Yeah, those those are the best ways to reach us. Um, as always, you know, uh, recommend the podcast to a friend that you think would uh, would enjoy two bozos just reminiscing about uh, punk stuff and talking about life. And uh, yeah, that would be great. And lastly, Patreon. You know, uh, we we do have a Patreon just to recoup costs. We're working on some cool exclusives. Patreon.com slash last believer pod uh yeah cool exclusives coming up i'm going to be doing an interview with a friend of a band or a friend who is in a band who has done stuff with good riddance this week uh which i won't say any names of but uh should be fun should be good it should be fun dan thanks for hanging out this week bringing that vacation dan energy <laughs> vacation dan and on a weekend well thank you for the uh uh the 
the stories, you know, bringing up stuff from family stuff is hard. So thank you for uh, feeling comfortable enough to tell your family stuff too. Hey, no worries. No one that knows anyone in my family listens to this podcast anyway. Uh, <laughs> next next week, we'll be back. We'll talk about the songs, Why'd She Have to Go, Lisa, and Sky is Falling. Thanks to Fat Records. Thanks to Good Riddance for uh, continuing to not send us any sort of cease and desist on this. And we will see you next week. Yep. Yeah.